1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from my fabulous friends. It is Adrian, and if you're listening to this voice, this silky, silky, smooth, lispy voice, you got yourself another episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast. Hey everyone, happy what's the, oh my god, happy Monday! It is Monday. It is the third of October. We are in spooky season. I'm ready. I've got Hocus Pocus queued up. It's gonna be great. I'm thoroughly eager to get into the holiday, the Halloween spirit, considering that's something that. Uh, it's the devil's birthday or something. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, another thing that I'm absolutely thrilled about is my guest co-host this week. Uh, I have a speaker, podcaster, writer genius. You know her. We all know her. It's the one and only Tori Williams Douglas. Hey, what's up? Hey, not too much. I got um, I wasn't allowed to celebrate Halloween growing up. So I got I got a Halloween manicure. You probably can't see it. Oh, I can. It's like, beautiful. Can we put some spider webs on there? <laughs> this is like the most Halloween yeah. thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> How old were you when you started Halloweening? I mean, it was after my kid. It was my kids. It was like with my kids. Like oh, I really? never, okay, so, oh, I never wow. did it. I was never allowed to. Um, one year, one year we were allowed to do um, jack o' lanterns, like put a face on a pumpkin, and then that got canceled. So. <laughs> Because you can't celebrate anything that has to do with the devil's birthday. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's the devil's party, and I ain't going. Jesus I, is I will not really be offended. The devil's... You really hurt his feelings <laughs> when you decided to dress up like so, Superman. Oh, <laughs> I remember at one point, I was probably at this point, 17. And like my dad's like, you know, uh, you can go to like the church trunk or treat if you want to. After being like completely de denied any sort of Halloween experience yeah. my entire life. And I remember my mother, to her credit, the, the one kudos I'll give her and my upbringing, is she's like, 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 Norman, what's the difference between him celebrating Halloween at a church or celebrating Halloween in the neighborhood with his friends? And my dad had no response oh, to that. Um, that was, what you, you know, it's just so sad. I, I remember handing out candy to all my friends at school. And they're like, come on, Adrian, just come with. I'm like, I, I can't. Yeah. I genuinely can't. They're like, if you don't have a costume, I'll give you a costume. It's like, it's not uh -huh. the costume. It's uh -huh. the devil. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. That's, yeah, that's how it shook out for us too. Like, yeah, we were like, we were the only family at church that like didn't at least do like the harvest party. Like we weren't allowed to do any of it. Like satanic panic all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> all the way down. So, okay. So now aside, in addition to your Halloween manicure, do you, do you all do any other Halloween festivities or are you kind of like not really that big of a deal to you because you weren't brought up with it? Well, I mean, I want it to be a big deal, 
Um, my, you know, it, and it's been it's been super weird lately because we've been in a pandemic. And so like trick or treating has been a little, I don't know, touch and go. Sure. Um, you know, I always like I always take I always take my kids to, you know, the pumpkin patch and they do something fun with pumpkins and like get all cute and like dressed up for fall. Um, and you know, my kids, they do, they do go trick or treating every year. Um, and I decorate now, which makes me really happy. So I have like cute little jack-o'-lanterns and like bats Yay! everywhere in my house for like a month. I love it. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm like, Oh, okay. I can decorate with ghosts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's great. It's great. It's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Uh, I just mean so much that you would, I appreciate your time and I love all the work that you do. And so when you were like, Hey, I could, I could come hang. I was like, yes, please. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, just <laughs> Let's talk if day. you, if you feel, if you, you know, I know that you're busy and you, you got people like lined up, but if you feel like having me on. <laughs> <laughs> and like within two seconds, I was like, yes, That's a yes. That's a very quick. Yes. So it means a lot. So what we're going to do, Tori, is I'm going to jump right into the first segment of the night. And this is a segment where folks uh, write questions, the bad apples, the listeners, they write in questions and then we'll talk it out. Sound good. Perfect. This is a segment I like to call Bad Apples, Good Questions. Hey, howdy, hey, it's the Dirty Rotten Church Kids. Ask away, we can talk this out and be heretics together. It's Bad, Bad Apples, Good, Good Questions. This question, Tori, is from Katie from Mozambique. Hello, this is Katie from Mozambique. My question concerns vocation. In the church, there is pressure to find your passion, thing you were specifically created to do, and then apply your work there to fulfill your life's purpose. Uh, she placed a quote from Frederick Buckner that said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Impressive quote. Uh, so her question is, since leaving the church, I'm struggling with the gray area between I'm made to do this one thing and I'm just here to enjoy the moment as that's all that we have. So how do you find a practical balance between these ideals? Do you? And what can you do to separate your identity and your value from your work, especially when up until now, your whole life has been focused on mission? Love the podcast. Mm. What do you think, Tori? Wow. Okay. This is a good one, right? This is, yeah, this is great. And, um, I have some thoughts, but the first thing that comes to mind is I'm like, I actually didn't do that. I just like transferred all of it into my, <laughs> into my work that I do now. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, I like, I was always like very oriented towards social justice and like creating change. And I was under the impression that's what we were supposed to be doing in church. Turns out I was Mis misled, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I just like, like I literally like picked it up and just like transferred it into my anti-racism work. Um, you know, the passion is kind of still the same. And I, I, you know, I don't consider myself to be a believer in anything specific at this point. Um, but that said, I mean, I'm still very driven by this idea of like the gospel is good news for the poor. <laughs> mm. Right. So if it's like like that, that language stuck. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. And 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 I think that that is I think that's still true. Right. Um, I think especially now when we're seeing like all this massive inequality that said. Yeah, I, I kind of I definitely 
savor, I guess, life more knowing that I'm not going to be sitting like on a cloud for 17 trillion years playing a harp, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and listen to listening to this, like, I don't know, heaven, the way that heaven's described in the Bible sounds like literal torture for neurodivergent people. <laughs> it's just like constant chaos. Yeah. Just the cacophony of sound and bright lights. And All, just always. Ridiculous. Never. It never stops. Nonstop. <laughs> really boring party. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say that it's, I, I mean, I think that it's really, really good to both do the things that like really matter to you in terms of finding mm. your purpose and finding joy in like, Hey, we get one shot at this thing. Right. And we get to experience like whatever we're able to experience in the spaces that we are able to show up. And like that, matters that's really beautiful to me right um so i think that i i think it's definitely made me more like not being an evangelical christian has has made me really appreciate like the natural world more like experiences that i get to have with like my kids my friends whoever and with like within that i think that there's also like there's also space to do whatever it is that you feel passionate about the cool thing is at least for me, like if you don't actually believe in some like magical deity somewhere, you get to decide what your purpose is for yourself. And it doesn't have mm. to be like the same thing for your whole life. Right. It's uh, not like yeah. you get this one calling. <laughs> it's just like you have to right. go like full Paul on everything, like just no <laughs> breaks, 100 percent like it's all gas until you're dead. <laughs> like you don't have to do that. Right. You can explore. And like, there aren't all of these decisions that are potentially catastrophic and will send you to hell. Like you can just try mm. stuff and yeah. see how you feel about it. Right. Like this is, yeah. I think a lot of the work of leaving evangelicalism is, um, like reconnecting <laughs> with your body and like having actual experiences, <laughs> you know, cause you're so disassociated yeah. in that space. Right. It's like, don't trust your body. Your emotions are misleading you. Like, that's the devil. You have to defer to, like, your pastor or whoever else is in authority over you. Um, yeah. So now it's like, to me, I find it really fun. that it's like, I just get to experiment, figure stuff out, figure out what I like and what brings me joy. And just appreciate that for however long I get to be around. Yeah, I, I feel like being brought up like you had a calling. You know, oh, for sure. had a calling mm -hmm. and that calling was really often really specific. It was like, oh, I'm called to missions or I'm called to worship ministry or I'm called to, I don't know, serving or volunteering or pre and and oftentimes, right, you would point out a scripture in the Bible that says, and then God called some to be preachers and some to be teachers and some to. And it's kind of like, well, these are the options. Right? This is like <laughs> what's in the crossword bank and you have to pick one. And, and that's all that's all that's available. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think. On the other side of it, when you feel like, oh, like I could feel uh, passion for making pasta from scratch. And like that could be just as much of a purpose in some sense to you as anything else. And I think for me, yeah. I kind of lean like I don't know if I have um, I thought for the longest time, like my purpose had to do with like music or creating or something. Mm. But even now, as much as I love creating, I don't really 
feel like I have a, a purpose in that sense. I think like you don't my, feel called like, to be a podcaster. I, I don't feel called. <laughs> I don't feel called to be a podcaster with, with the tons of money that's pouring in. Totally, right now, totally. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, it's like I feel like now I think of it. I definitely lean more towards the second thing she said, which is kind of like you get one pass. We get one pass at this thing, and so like if if you if you gun to my head gun to my balls i have to tell you my purpose i'd say my purpose is to have a really good time mm, <laughs> because that's yeah. I, get, I get one pass yeah you know? i love that that's so cool because we were we were never allowed to say that we were never even allowed to think that right yeah like oh. having good experiences like what's your purpose in life it's just like i don't know i'm just for some reason i'm in this meat taco fuck knows why <laughs> And I'm just going to go on like, I guess, like I personally really enjoy hiking. So I do that as often as I can. Right. Right. Um, And that's sort of like, that's sort of what we get. But it's and it probably seems really small to some people, depending on like the space they were raised in. But for Mm. me, like that's huge. Mm -hmm. Right. That I just get Mm -hmm. to experience joy for however long I'm here. Yeah. I I feel like on this side of it, um, I try and like. Because I feel like in evangelicalism, it's like purpose is always like this huge cosmic thing. I'm going to we're going to save the nations. Like, what the fuck are you even talking oh my about? God. It's always like this highly self-important like yeah, mission. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. It's like this crusade. And I think now on this side of it, I like just zoom, 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 zoom to like this current thing that I'm doing. And this is a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that man, that was a that's a good question. Yeah, that's a really good question. Katie, thank you for sending that in. Uh, send us an email back because I'm really curious to know, like, what is the stuff that you're leaning toward? That's a good question. Anything else you wanted to tack on to that, Tori? Mm, I don't think so. I feel like I kind of I feel like I kind of got through all this stuff that I'm really passionate about right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my purpose. I actually, <laughs> I saw a post. He posted something about like i'm not sure when i saw it but you were like i went to church today Mm. and like for you it was like you were hiking Mm -hmm. and you use that often like that language and i think that's really beautiful no i i that's how i do it it's like someday like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be all this shit that i'm walking through (laughs) at some point right (laughs) i'm like wow that's a good i get to i get to i get to experience it on both on both sides so Uh uh uh-huh i'm above it now i'll be below it yep be great (laughs) that's pretty cool first corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that here at the speaking in church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church it's a podcast about change it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. All right. Well, I think, Tori, I think we can jump into the meat and potatoes of the episode. So this one, I initially had thought, so the past episode I, a couple weeks ago I did with Janice Legata and we talked about tithing. Mm, and as nice. we were talking, as we were like unpacking it, um, like the, the language of like the prosperity kind of gospel, like kind of showed up and we were kind of like touching on it. And that's when I was like, oh, wait, this is its own behemoth 
that I feel like yeah. we can dedicate its own episode to. Mm-hmm. And then you had mentioned that you had some experience, which we'll unpack. And so I think we should jump into it. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So this is our conversation on health and wealth. Tori, tell me, uh, growing up, like, what was your experience? I know you were a church kid, mm-hmm. the church kid, a no Halloween church kid. Mm-hmm. What was your interaction with, like, the prosperity gospel, health and wealth, blab it and grab it, that kind of stuff? Blab it and grab it. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the entirety of my, like, theological upbringing, to be honest. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, shit. So, uh, yeah. So, my my parents met and sort of like bonded over this idea that like Jesus is coming back any minute. Like we have to be prepared for the rapture, like any day now he's going to show up. So there's, there wasn't a lot of long-term planning. Let's say that, um, you know, we were like, we were really poor when I was, when I, when I was a little kid, like my parents eventually like kind of found their footing financially, but that wasn't until I was like in college basically. Um, and so yeah, that was like my entire childhood. I was taught the Bible through the lens of the prosperity gospel. Like whole thing was about like Jesus came to like save you from your sins, but he also came to like, like you said, make you healthy, wealthy and wise, you know? Mm-hmm. So again, it's, it's, it's this very interesting dichotomy, right? Because I'm like this little kid growing up in poverty, watching these TV preachers um, who own jets <laughs> <laughs> preaching about like you got it you got to like you got to if you want if you want to be blessed financially you got to like sow a seed and the seed is whatever cash is in your wallet right now <laughs> yeah all this could be yours yeah yeah basically this perfect life basically <laughs> and it's it, it's so like it's so insidious because it's like wealth is proof of god's favor right mm. like wealth is proof that you're doing it right which i think like entirely different podcast but i think that that's a huge part of where trump came from oh shit! you know is this is like this is proof that like god has blessed you yeah 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 because he kind of like represented the ideal like the, like that's it right so you look, look what look at you know it worked look at the, the american formula right it works right exactly <laughs> and that's really interesting to me right because it was like it was like the american dream and and the gospel were like conflated right mm-hmm. and so there's this really really like deep sort of attachment between i think prosperity gospel and like capitalism right Mm. where it's like the goal is to accumulate like that's that's the point that's the purpose Mm. you know the the scriptures that talk about the scriptures that like condemn wealth are like not talking about me for some reason um that was it was it was figurative right like he's not actually saying wealthy people are going to go to hell he was just like Mm. trying to make a point (laughs) Right. Isn't that so funny? Like we were taught like the Bible is literal, like God said it. I believe it. That does it. Yep. But then anything that had to do with money and being like, did really like God didn't really mean that, it, you know, that. did God really say? <laughs> like, yeah. Right. How funny. Yeah. No, it, it, I mean, it, that's really that's really literally how how it was. Right. So I had like all of the TV preachers we're on TV in our house all the time. Um, we okay. were kind of like, we were kind of like wackadoo in that sense. Um, because like even the, even the people we went to church with, like we're not anywhere near as conservative as my parents and they were not anywhere near as like Pentecostal as my parents. Um, so 
Yeah. So y'all were like Pentecostal. Oh, like, 100%. 100%. Like, should have bought a Honda, yep. bought a Kia. Yep. Like, got yep. it. And so, I mean, Dang. that was like, like, yeah, it's like some of my earliest memories are like going to these like awful services led by these like prosperity gospel preachers, um, mm. you know, at, at like these huge, like these huge events, like they would, they would sell out they didn't actually charge anybody but they would like sell out these like huge auditoriums in in portland right and these services were so boring and they were so long because it's like you have to do this whole emotional build-up right mm. and then you have to keep people in that space for as long as mm. you think that they're going to keep being compelled by the holy spirit to give you cash yeah i guess yes you like worked up to like an emotional uh-huh. tizzy and then it's equated to the Holy Spirit's yes. here and therefore yes. the blessing is here and God is here mm-hmm. and all the stuff that comes with it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, my parents, um, my parents are still like 100% bought in, you know, like last I checked, which was probably like a couple of years ago. My parents' goal, and they were they were pretty close to it, was, was to give like 30% of their gross income every year to like minister to like their church to Jews for Jesus, which, oh my fucking God, um, like TBN, like Trinity Broadcasting Network, uh, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland, like their goal was to give 30% of their gross income to these people. Holy shit. I know, right? That's nuts (laughs) to me. Like they're actually doing. (laughs) Oh my God. How? Oh my God. I know, right? It like breaks your brain. they're, They're like, like. Kenneth Copeland's like dream demographic. Like that is exactly who he's they, he's for. they literally just moved last month to Fort Worth, Texas. In no small part because that is where Kenneth Copeland is located. No shit. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so so we were like very deeply sort of brainwashed, I guess, mm. in in this mm-hmm. particular type of theology and you know like justin and i joke about this on go home bible you're drunk all the time it's like i like i can't, i want my tithe back like that was a grift <laughs> <laughs> for real like why did i why did i give you all this money like you clear you have these massive buildings and like multi-million dollar mortgages on them and like you don't need money from me like a college kid who like can't afford to pay for parking to go to work right right that's so true and now a word from our dirty rotten sponsors that one time a local pastor for sure just turned you into a sermon illustration Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fastened seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please stow your carry-on luggage underneath the seat in front of you or in the overhead bin. If you have any questions about our flight today, please don't hesitate to ask one of our flight attendants. Thank you and enjoy your flight. Hi, excuse me. Uh, I think my seat is the window seat, 23A. That might be me. Oh, yeah, come on. Come on over. I'll scooch. I'll scooch. How you doing? My name is Pastor Ben. Hi. Nice to meet you. Is it your first time flying to Philly? Yeah, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty terrified of flying, in fact, but it's my dad's birthday, you know. So <laughs> the things we do for family, right? That's so interesting that even though you're afraid, you're willing to fly. Hmm. It's funny. 
So many times in this life, we want to stay put, stay where we are, with our feet here on the ground. But let me just tell you something. Knowing that the Father's arms are open wide to embrace us is enough to take that leap, to buckle in, to take flight towards our destiny. Really makes you, really makes you ask yourself tonight, is the Father worth the flight? I'll say that again. Is the Father worth the flight? Uh, yeah. I kinda. I mean, it's his, it's his birthday, but hey, did, was there music playing? Did you just start playing music? I could have sworn that I just heard some music. Let me ask you this. Did you pack a carry-on or did you check a bag? Oh, uh, I, I packed a, a carry-on. It's just a weekend, so yeah, so I, I figured. Huh, interesting. So you decided not to leave your baggage at the foot of the TSA agent? Yeah, I get. Yeah, I mean, just it's a short, it's a short trip, so I. It's funny. How many of us insist on carrying on, carrying that baggage? How many of us insist on holding on to that baggage that weighs us down, the baggage of sin, the baggage of anger, the baggage of pride? The baggage of lust for strangers on an airplane. Seems a little specific, but sure. I think if you're here tonight, maybe you're saying to me, Pastor, mine's too heavy a burden to bear. It is too heavy. But I want to declare to you right now that you don't have to carry on with that carry on. You can lay it down at the foot of the cross because God's duffel is easy and his backpack is light. Amen. Okay. Uh, again, I, I don't think that that really applies in this particular instance. By the way, yes, there's definitely music playing when, when you're talking. There's definitely, are you hiding it? Let me ask you this last question. What is the name of the airline that we're flying? Uh, I feel like that's a leading question that you should know the answer to. We're, we're obviously flying on Spirit Air. It's funny. Uh, of course. How many of us have a choice to make every single day? Every day we have a choice. Do we go with the flesh? Do we live in the flesh? Or do we step out and soar in the spirit? And we hear all this talk about airline this and airline that and airline troubles and airline fears. But the question I have to ask for you is this. Are you airlined with the Spirit of God today? Okay, airlined isn't a word. If you're using this for a sermon, don't do the airlined thing, okay? I need, I need a drink. Can I get a drink? I was trying to do some research on like where the prosperity gospel kind of stemmed from. Oh, yeah. And because I was like really curious as to like what kind of like what ingredients got thrown into that crock pot, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And according to Wikipedia, which knows everything, it looks like there's an intersect intersection of like three kind of general ideologies. One, Pentecostalism, right up 
your background right there. Um, mm-hmm. New thought, which is very much kind of like you speak this reality into existence, kind of like yes. your language and like your words have, have power, power in them. Mm-hmm. And then there's also kind of this new, like in the, in the, like this new wave of like the American upward mobility mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Like this is the dream. Like you're here to make something of yourself. Like you're going to, you know, you came all the way over here and now you're going to like build something for yourself. And yeah. so all these things together. And then apparently in like 1945 was around the time when they started doing like those healing revivals yeah. all across mm-hmm. the country. And that's where my upbringing was tied to. So oh, like okay. my grandma and grandpa were, uh, my grandma was a Pentecostal preacher. And so for him, they were all about like, like revival of the spirit and healing of the body. Like, yes. And I think if you have a lot of focus on, you can make God save someone and you can t- may turn God into kind of a vending machine to heal someone, mm-hmm. then it is not, it's a hop, skip and a jump to God wants you to be wealthy mm-hmm. and God wants you to have success. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like those two, that is a, a, as a big old circle. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm really actually fascinated by the fact that you went and, and kind of like Googled this. I mean, even, cause even just like even like the, the Wikipedia article on prosperity theology is kind of large <laughs> given like what it is. It's like, Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. This is, a, this is a lot of, a lot of context. Yeah. I, you know, what's something that I think is really interesting, right. Is because there were a lot of, I think like early, like early kind of 20th century. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Right. Um, because right. It's like, it's actually as a theology, it's not, it's not that old, but I'm really fascinated by how much like it really kind of exploded during the great depression, mm. like how much it spread. Interesting. Kind right? of like, it's like the, it's like the soil was fertile, like the conditions yeah. were perfect. For right. Exactly. God. Exactly. I mean, I think that on top of that, like there's this, there's this really kind of fascinating history of the way that like white evangelicalism and like capitalism have sort of interacted mm. with one another and kind of used each other, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like that ties into all of this also, like these business interests and like pastors working together to like fight union organizing. <laughs> like it's it's so deep. Like it actually is really, really deep. Like there's a long history here. Yeah. But I am really fascinated by like how much prosperity gospel has changed like since I was a kid. How so? It was very looked down upon when I was a child in our circles, right? In our evangelical church circles. Like we were, we were kind of the weirdos. No kidding. Yeah. Like in that regard, it was very like, well, because and it was like, it was all non-denominational churches, which are just like, we all know this Southern <laughs> Baptists, better marketing. And <laughs> So, you know, like, and people who kind of had that framing of theology, like our community that had like that sort of framing, they were just like, what are you guys talking about? Like, (laughs) and I'm not saying that they were, they were doing any kind of like critical, like self-examination or analysis, but they were just kind of like, no, that's not like, that's not the point. Like Jesus didn't come here to make you wealthy. Like, shut up. This is, that's weird and a waste of time. And you know, so I like in my lifetime, at least like being on the on the West Coast and, and being kind of raised in this, I, I saw it go from like kind of this demeaned 
sort of theology. And then I, I, I like, I feel, I remember like watching this in real time is like Hillsong got mm. bigger because they're a Pentecostal church, right? Mm-hmm. They're an Assemblies of God church. That made like that kind of opened the door yeah. for this theology to grow into spaces where like Southern Baptist churches were, like I said, not about that shit. Yeah. Like, like then like the Bethel thing and international yep. house of prayer thing. Like there kind yep. of just became this huge, like the Jesus culture, like that whole, that whole mm-hmm. thing. That's so true. Like it became like cool to be charismatic. No. Yes. That's such, Oh my God. That's such a good way to put it. It became cool. That's yeah. literally what happened. I mean, cause they had all the good music. The Southern Baptists <laughs> had shit music, right? There wasn't nearly well, enough reverb. You, need. you know, I don't know. I was like, how much of how much of this can we hold Joel Houston personally responsible for? That's what I would like to know. You hear that, Joel Houston? <laughs> Fuck you. You owe us our time, Joel Houston. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. I think we need god. to create a coalition to hold Joel Houston financially responsible for it's all a of class our class action lawsuit. <laughs> uh huh. Yes, oh my agreed. God. Oh my agreed. God. I, I grew up in, um, so like Pentecostal, small Pentecostal church growing up. And then in high school, I went to a mega church in the Philippines. I lived there for about three years with my family. We moved there from New York and we got plugged into a mega church. And of course, if you move from the, from the States, the, the closest thing you'll want to go to is a church that is essentially just uh, uh, regurgitated Americanisms, right? Just abroad. Yeah, American um, American theology. For absolutely, sure. it is an it was an American church through and through. Like it was a white yeah. church in a brown country, yeah. and yep. um, their whole thing. Literally, the church was called. <laughs> I say it, whatever. I'll say it. The church was called Victory, and so even just like that language was mm-hmm. like it was just baked into this idea of like God wants you to win. You are mm-hmm. a winner. We are going to overcome and like we are going to, you know, conquer and all you're going to. And so there is the baked into this language is this idea of like, I d- deserve better. Like yeah. whatever I have, this is just the this is the bottom of the barrel. Like I deserve more blessing and I deserve more influence. And I like it's got to get mm-hmm. better than this. Mm-hmm. What a weird mind fuck that, you know, that like yeah. embeds into your understanding. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that it, I think it makes you like, you know, obviously we talk about this all the time, like not none of us are qualified to diagnose anybody, but it gives you a lot of narcissistic tendencies mm. when you when you sincerely believe that, like. No, God wants the absolute best for me as an individual and like, you know, the rest of you, whatever it's, this, you know, it's just the same like hyper individualistic like bootstraps, except yes. your bootstraps are, you know, praying and reading your Bible and and speaking scripture over your life and fasting sometimes, right? Yeah. The individualism is so interesting. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no like actual community really in churches. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's more like a club, essentially, right? If you abide by the rules and you pay your dues, you can be in the club. Mm-hmm. There's not like American church is not designed like communally at all. Like we are very personal responsibility. Like if you sin, you've got to make it right with God. Like Mm. we're not getting involved in your life. You don't get to get involved in our business. Like every once in a while, it was different when I, when I, when I became an adult and got into like more, I guess, conservative theology, it was very different. But like in this space, it was just kind of like God's grace covers everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like kind of anything goes like if you do something wrong, like you just you can just repent. 
you get a clean slate. Doesn't matter how badly you fucked up, right? Like no one can hold you accountable if you're somebody in this space, like with power. And I think that we're still seeing that, right? Like we're still seeing that play out in all of these churches kind of like simultaneously right now. Yeah. It's like baked into the language. Right. Like right, your own right. personal relationship with Jesus. Everything yep. is absolutely personal. And I think mm-hmm. if you translate that into a prosperity theology, it's like, I personally, Jesus loves me personally. He knows me personally. And therefore mm-hmm. God wants what's best for me. God is a giving God. God is a generous mm-hmm. God. Right. And so you kind of like put like sticky notes in the Bible and all of those reasons where God did something really good for his people. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, if God is yep. my God, that's my personal God. Right. Then therefore I should also be privy to those benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a, um, I have a clip Tori, I want to play. And yes. uh, I found this and it's from the one and only Joel Osteen himself. Mm. Um, I'm going to play the clip. Hopefully you can hear it. Um, I'll play the clip. And this is kind of, I think, in my experience, I think this is kind of an example of kind of some of the language that yeah. I certainly was, and I imagine you as well, in varying degrees. Check this out right here. To receive the blessing, you have to get rid of the negative things people have spoken over you. They may have meant well, they were trying to help, but they told you what you can't do, how you don't measure up, how you'll never be successful, that ex-spouse, how you're not attractive, Nobody will ever want you. Don't let them limit your future. They don't know what's in you. They didn't see you before you were formed in your mother's womb. They didn't breathe life into you. They didn't call you, equip you, empower you. God is saying to you today, you are blessed. You are favored. You are strong, talented, valuable, free. You have greatness in you. You are destined to leave your mark to make the world a better place. You're about to shine. You're about to see favor in greater ways. You've celebrated others. You're about to be celebrated. You've admired friends. You've honored coworkers. You're about to be admired, esteemed, honored. You're going to come out of the background into the foreground from being overlooked to being in charge. I declare you will excel. You will rise higher. You will go further than anyone thought. You will accomplish more than you've ever dreamed. You may feel stuck in your career like you can't get ahead. I declare you're about to be unstuck. You're about to step into opportunity that you've never imagined. You're going to discover things in you that you didn't know you had. Gifts, talents, books, songs, movies, ideas, inventions, businesses. Now do your part, tune out all the negative voices. What God has declared, no person can stop. What God has declared, no person can stop. (laughs) Oh, so many thoughts. One, like, why does his hair keep growing? Yes. (laughs) It just continues to make him taller and taller. Yeah, his hair has not changed in (laughs) the decades of his ministry. A lot of hair. So was this something that, like, was this similar to, because this certainly for me, a lot of this was very similar to the language that I experienced growing up. How is this similar and how is this different than some of the messaging you experienced? There's just like more charisma, I think, in the delivery. (laughs) (laughs) And also, and also I think like this, I was really struck by this when I was listening and I just like, I started like writing down little hash marks every time he said you like like a minute and a half in or, or longer i'm like because i'm like you you keep saying you you're not talking about god at all and i'm like getting to like two dozen like what the fuck 
is happening right now? You know, it wasn't even like it wasn't even half of the clip that I was like, I need to count this because it's like every it's like one God for every 20 use. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, so there was it was my growing up experience um, in terms of theology was it wasn't so blatantly like pop psychology, hype yourself, be your own hype man yeah. um, sort of situation. Uh, but there was, it was definitely like the name it and claim it. If someone has spoken something evil over your life, that could be why you're not succeeding, even if you don't know about it. Right. Mm. So you have to like do this spiritual warfare to like get these evil claims, assertion statements from like impacting it's, it's witchcraft. Yes. Oh in my so God. many ways. Oh my God. I was thinking about this. I was like, the whole like name it and claim it thing. I was like, this is like pretty woo woo for a religion that hates Harry Potter. Yes, it, it, it really is. It's, it's like really woo- like, yeah, I, I remember like growing up, like they would say like the power of like your words. And so you almost mm-hmm. I remember someone saying like uh, if you said like, oh, I'm I'm sick. You're like, no, you don't right. say that. You can't say that. Don't say that. Like mm-hmm. you like you're not feeling great. But you can't say like I am sick right now because then right. as soon as you say it, you are like manifesting it into reality, manifesting germs <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in your own body. <laughs> yeah, and I and like I feel like this whole thing where you can't even where you have to constantly speak positivity mm-hmm. and speak blessing, and then you can't name pain and like you can't mm-hmm. name sickness and like, you can't name like it skews the picture. There is. Like there are no shadows, like there's no contrast to the photo mm-hmm. now. Like everything just becomes mm-hmm. one like rose kind of palette. And then yeah. then you don't have the tools, especially when you're like a kid and you're mm-hmm. up, you, know, you don't have the tools to express like discomfort and sadness. And you can't like sit with like these really kind of complex feelings, you know, because like it's not sad. No, don't be sad. Like, you know, cause there's no room for that. Right. And, and you are responsible for your own emotional reactions. So yeah, it's like, you don't have depression. You don't have anxiety. You just haven't read the Bible enough. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I, th- oh man, I, I'm glad, I'm so glad more people are talking about this, but like this toxic positivity, yes. right. Of like, we cannot address anything that exists that is negative because then we're speaking evil over our own lives instead of just being like, this is what's going on with me right now. And like, I get to be honest about that. And I'm not like inadvertently cursing myself when I say like, Hey, I got COVID, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's not like, it's not like I'm putting a curse over my life to say, this is what's going on with me. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think that those, there, there are definitely some really big differences at the end of the day. Like all of these, all these people are like on their yachts together <laughs> when they're not on TV. Like, let's be honest. So yeah. My, um, my dad, he was like brought up Pentecostal, like charismatic preacher. And his whole thing is he said, I remember him telling me, like, I wrote this down. He told me that like the most powerful sermon he ever had was a preacher that said, businessmen, God wants you to be wealthy, but he doesn't want you to be wealthy so that you can tithe more because God doesn't need your money. God wants you to be wealthy so that you can make your circle of influence 
like that, that wealthy circle of influence, that's who you can impact for the gospel. And my dad like took that as like his personal charge of like, you're right. I need to mm. make so much money so that, you know, I don't know, I can be a witness to other millionaires. I, I, don't, I don't know what the idea was, but like nowhere in that train of thought did he ever go, wait, God, is, God wants me to be a millionaire. Like that seems like a really convenient excuse for me to, you know what I'm saying? Like, of course, yeah, God wants me to be a millionaire. Why? Uh, you know, just to help save other millionaires. Okay, sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it is. I'm sure that's what it is. You know, that's really funny because that like kind of makes me circle back to this this thing that I wrote down to like to bring up was that there's no cap to like what God wants for you. Like there's no you can't ever you cannot be content, right? <sighs> like contentment is like it's it's anti-Christ to be content with what you have accumulated, right? There is no cap, there is no limit. Um I, th what, what brought this to mind for me is that I'm, 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 I don't want to make this like a thing, but there's a certain person who is like very much in the pop psychology world, like, you know, writes books, like kind of came from like an evangelical charismatic upbringing also. And like, they have, they are like kind of oversharers. So they put out like these, these things that they're like speaking over their life. Right. And so it's. Like, you know, a lot of it is like my kids are healthy and like successful in sports or whatever. Like my my husband gets a raise. And and but um, one thing that I was really struck by was um, <laughs> one of the one of the things on like her spiritual bucket list was like, I always fly, fly first class. Right. OK. And so, you know, time goes on. She's just she's just a very charismatic, funny person. So like, yeah, like people people pay attention to like what she has to say. And um, she like puts out another one of these things after she gets to the point where she's very clearly like a self-made, quote unquote, millionaire. Right. <laughs> and but but the list has gotten updated to like. I always fly private planes. Mm. Right. Like yep. they're never content. There's no amount of stuff that will fulfill them. Yes. Like it's constantly just more, 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 more. Yes. Because there's always the next breakthrough and then the right. next breakthrough. And God yes. wants you to have the next. That, it's funny you say that because I wrote the exact same thing. It's like the opposite of practicing gratitude. Because <laughs> yes, exactly. it, it, like, it does not validate where you currently are in your life in any right. way. Right. Yeah. No, it's like where you are now is like something that at some point in your future, like down the road, you're going to look back and be disgusted. by. Yeah. Like there, there right. are churches who their churches have like signs and their slogans are like the best is yet to come. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it's baked. It's baked in where it's kind of like, yes, this is the worst. Like what? Like it's, it's going to only get better from here. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. you should never, so don't be happy where you're at. And if you think about it theologically, that tracks because the ultimate destination is this place that you have to get to. It is like this whole thing about ascent, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so there, like, you cannot, like heaven's not here. Heaven is someplace you ascend to, you know, theologically and cognitively right. or whatever. And yeah. so it, 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 it lends itself to, you have to walk up the ladder too in this life. Yes, absolutely. You know, the this idea of, of I guess spiritual like spiritualizing success you know and and making that like that is like i was saying that's kind of that's seen as like the same thing as proof of god's blessing yeah. um right like 
you as an individual being able to accumulate like wealth and power, like there's no accountability in this structure. Right. So even if you like, even if you're one of the like tens of people <laughs> who become a millionaire, right. Um, doing whatever, uh, because God's blessed you. Even if you get to that point, like there's, it's just between like you and God, like you can do whatever the fuck you want with that shit. Right. right. I can do whatever I want with my power because God gave it to me, yeah, which means me proof. I'm a good steward. Yes. of power. I am a good steward of stuff that was stolen by my ancestors, right? Like I'm a good steward <laughs> of like exploiting wages from people who work for me, right? Uh-huh. Like God gave me this and you know, all, like all of these all of these people who are like this, uh, all these people who like preach this stuff, like everyone says they're terrible bosses, mm. right? Like they all treat their employees like shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's because like well, God gave me power over you. That's why you're here. That's why you're working for me. Yeah. Is because I have spiritual authority over your life, right? Nobody holds me accountable. Nobody checks me in terms of what I'm doing with my power, naming like airports after myself or whatever. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> Right. Well, it's like it's like a it's like um if some person like has some special secret diet. And they're like, obviously it works. I got a six pack. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. And people are like, well, yeah, of course it works. Just look at the guy or whatever. <laughs> and so like, it's the same thing where it's like, yes. obviously he's doing something right. Look at his private plane. Obviously mm-hmm. he's doing, and it kind of like, then all of a sudden it moves the goalpost to wherever this person is. And they're mm-hmm. of course moving their own. I mean, they're the ones going from first class to private jets or whatever. Right. But right. then now it becomes this kind of like, ever moving target that you can never actually reach. Right. And that's, and it's really funny that heaven is like pitched as this fulfillment of all of that, where you get to, you know, when you get to heaven, you're going to have like a literal crown made of literal gold with literal jewels in it and a mansion that's so big that you're going to get lost in it eight months out of the year. And like, (laughs) there's like, that's, that's the goal. (laughs) Yes. It's baked into the, like the definition of heaven Mm -hmm. is like Mm -hmm. just the capitalist dream. Like it's beautiful and it's rich and it's wealthy and like, and only the people who deserve to be there will be there. And what's funny is that you were saying it in like your upbringing and we can, uh, like we'll probably get there. But when I was like growing up as like a a, a grown up Christian, quote unquote, I was Mm. very Calvinist. I was like a hyper Calvinist bro. Mm. Mm -hmm. I was one of those. And I used to scoff at prosperity gospel people. And right. I'm like, it's so ridiculous. The name and claim it, it's so whack or whatever. But if I've my favorite, then I would sing songs on Sunday mornings about, I want to see the streets of gold and the pearly <laughs> gates. And I have this mansion in the sky. It's like, what the fuck was I doing? You know what I'm saying? It's yes. ridiculous. Yeah. No, it, it really is. It's yeah. It's like heaven is just, you know, it's a permanent vacation for capitalists. <laughs> It's a timeshare. It's right. beautiful. <laughs> and and what I think is nuts is if the if the pastor who is wearing Versace and flying on a private plane is the Ugh. bar for mm-hmm. like God's favor, then if you flip mm-hmm. that and you don't have the money mm-hmm. and you're not healthy and you didn't have the quote unquote breakthrough or, you know, you had a miscarriage or you like Mm -hmm. anything that falls shy of this impossible like standard. You wear that. Like, obviously I'm not doing something 
there's something in my faith because mm-hmm. I'm no different than them, but they have everything. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It, it is very much sort of it's pitched that way. Right. Of like the playing field is level. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which again, it like it just serves capitalism to say these things that are objectively false. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like God's, you know, God's favor is open to anyone. All you have to do is like trust him and believe and like sow your seed. And that is that's good. Like that's all you gotta do. Just keep showing up, doing the thing. Um, and it's just it's it's just I don't know. It's like the more that I think about it, the more I'm like, this is literally just a front for like <laughs> oh my gosh yeah like yeah just capitalist endeavors and it's just like, like <laughs> capitalists like stacked on top of each other's shoulders in a trench coat uh-huh, like, uh-huh, the trench uh-huh. coat just the prosperity it's like, gospel it's jesus look <laughs> yeah. it's jesus it's just two capitalists in a trench coat that's hilarious uh-huh. <laughs> i feel like the when you're in it and obviously if you're a, a regular churchgoer like I was, I didn't have all that money and I wasn't the one at the front and, you know, and so like I'm working to attain this blessing. I am speaking good things into existence. And then if I don't have, if I'm not allowed to say bad things, it becomes this weird mind fuck. Cause it's like, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm already policing my behavior. Do not masturbate. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also policing my thoughts. Do not think about masturbating. And now (laughs) I like if it comes to prosperity, I have to police my my words. Like everything I do is so bolted down under lock and key. And it's Mm -hmm. it's like no wonder I'm like a hyper vigilant adult right now with like constant anxiety and everything I do. Mm -hmm. Because like you are completely programmed to like to keep everything tight. Everything's got to be mm-hmm. locked down, your language, mm-hmm. your behavior, everything. Yeah, because because any slip up is like a risk, right? Like making a mistake that you don't know about, like, well, God could punish you for that, right? Like, even if it wasn't something that you intentionally did, even mm-hmm. if it wasn't something where you like went out with malice and like, I'm going to go to a strip club or whatever. Right. right like right. it's like these little, these like micro sins <laughs> that can like prevent <laughs> God's sin. blessing from yeah. like coming into your life. And you're absolutely right. Like the entire thing is self-policing, right? Like it's internally self-policing. It's externally self-policing. So like in the group, like there's no accountability, but there is, there's the law Yeah, <laughs> and other people will enforce the law. Yes. In your life, which is like, that's, that's again, you're like creating these really toxic dynamics between people. It silos, where, yes. it silos you. Mm-hmm. You're like, I got to keep this a secret. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't say it oh, yeah. because then it makes it real. Totally. Right? So I can't talk about it. And then that, if we, if it, it kind of touches on the whole individualism thing where it's just me yep. and God and my success in God. So then on the other side of the coin, it's like, it's just my sin in God and my mm-hmm. failure in God. Um, and so it is like you're alone in a crowded, <laughs> in a crowded mm-hmm. church, like all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. It's God. That's such a good point. I never really quite thought about it that way, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Hello, my name is Bailey and I am located in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, but I originally hail from, um, New Mexico and Texas. I uh, was raised with a prosperity gospel mindset and um, it infused itself in a lot of the ways that we talked about God and the way that we did our life. But um, one of the ways that 
was more niche in how my culture took the prosperity gospel too far is that um, they believed that if you were sick, it was um, because of sin. And if you weren't getting better, you either hadn't repented of the sin, one, or two, you didn't have enough faith. And so a lot of times that second side of it is where things got a little crazy. Um, so lots of like denying any kind of medical diagnosis, um, speaking over yourself that you'd be better. And um, in some places in the where I grew up, um, people when they would get cancer diagnoses, they would uh, not tell anyone, um, and they wouldn't they wouldn't receive treatment because that would be uh, claiming cancer over you, <laughs> and uh, they die. They they would just die all by themselves, um, and no one would talk about it. Like yeah, they they passed away, but cancer wouldn't even come up, even though like it was it, you would hear from like their very like close loved ones that they'd cancer you could tell that obviously they had cancer so looking back it's crazy as you you know the whole sin and sickness thing is is one other side of the coin but the thing that really resonates to me as you start to maybe deconstruct some of your beliefs is thinking about what does the prosperity gospel mean for people who are in silos of suffering. And I think that it really ignores and um, doesn't validate the the place that they have in the world. And so that's where that really started to, to crumble for me. Hey, I'm Nick and I'm from the UK and I was part of a church in my early 20s that taught health and wealth. The message from the senior pastor and all the leaders below him was that God wants you well. And that was often justified with a particular scripture. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose in heaven will be loosed on the earth. Meaning that if you proclaim healing or proclaim God to release provision and had enough faith for it, then you'd be right as rain in no time. Glory be to God. The money thing was a bit subtler though because we're British and we don't like to talk about money, but we had no end of sermons, especially around the time that the church needed a financial injection about tithing. And one very memorable sermon was about paying taxes to Caesar. And the senior pastor said, you may be asking whether you should be giving 10% gross or net of your income. Well, do you want a pre-tax blessing or a post-tax blessing? And I look back on it now rather incredulously, to be honest with you, uh, the manipulation. Uh, for, for a long time, though, I felt that I wasn't seeing this kind of health and wealth materialise through my prayers, just because basically I, I lacked faith, even though I could see in my own life and from reading the scriptures that suffering is just part of the Christian walk. Um, but I have to confess, there's still a teeny tiny part of me today even now that feels like I'm doing it wrong because that's what that, you know, the, the mighty man of God, the leader told me from the front of church. You know, it's hard to separate the real stuff from the bullshit, even when it's as, as blatant as that sometimes. Hi, this is Charlotte from Wisconsin. I have a lot to say about the health and wealth gospel and I'll try to fit what I can in here. Growing up, um, I had a speech impediment and um, my pigeon toed. My parents refused therapy for both of those things um, because God should heal me if we're all faithful enough. My mom specifically also does not believe in mental illness, PTSD, um, autism or ADHD and you should be able to pray 
enough and be faithful and those things will all go away. So we did not have access to mental health care and my mother is mentally ill and did not access those things and therefore inflicted trauma on myself and my sibling. As a parent to a disabled child, a multiply disabled child, I we incur it all of the time going out. Um, the belief is either something went wrong with her or she needs to be healed. Disabled people do not be, need to be healed. Even during COVID pandemic, even during the time when there's social distancing rules like strongly enforced, people would come up to my daughter and touch her and want to pray over her because the belief is she something was broken inside of her something is wrong she needs to be prayed over she we need to have faith and she'll be healed and I also want to point out that this is from the Bible um, Jesus prays over people and they are healed the idea is you want to be healed and you should be healed it is this mentality is biblical if you are faithful enough you will make money if you are faithful enough you will not be disabled you will not be mentally ill it has caused so much trauma to my nine-year-old to where she will yell push and use her communication device to tell people to stop and leave her alone and it's caused trauma to me as a 37 year old that i'm still dealing with my name is Britt. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. My experience with the health and wealth gospel is vast and especially skewed toward the health side. My background is uh, extremely charismatic, evangelical, and in those spaces, we were often taught to, as groups or just by ourselves in our individual lives, to pray for a vision or a word from God for, for people we would just see out and about and we would then know that God wanted us to approach them to pray for them most often for some sort of physical healing and the message around all of this is really like fun and light and uplifting on the outside in the sense that it was like oh God made you perfect in his image and anything that goes against that is then something that God did not want for you and therefore he would heal you other than the obvious ableism here the thing that uh, sort of the flip side of this is if you were someone like me with mental health issues that were rarely validated in any form um, and also hidden disabilities who was not getting healed then the messaging was like oh there must be something wrong you uh you must have some hidden sin or you're distant from god somehow uh or you aren't praying correctly you need to pray out of desperation or you need to pray out of power and command the healing and then it's still not happening which led to a whole lot of confusion and self-gaslighting and awful things that people would say and also led to me just pretending that I was well um, and ignoring all of the signs my body was giving me about what I needed to do to take care of myself, uh, including my own refusal to go to any doctor because if I acknowledge that I had this problem, then I was acknowledging that I had some super hidden sin, even though try as I might, I could not find it. Hey, Adrian. my name is Beth and I'm calling from North Carolina. I was strictly taught the Kenneth Copeland brand of the prosperity gospel, none of that gentle Joel Osteen bullshit. Um, my parents liked to be yelled at and threatened with demons and all the scary stuff that he provided. So I was taught that if you said it, it would come true. That was like one of the main tenets of Kenneth Copeland. So if I had a sore throat, I wasn't allowed to say, I feel sick. I had to say, by his stripes, I am healed. They believed this for everything from fevers to heart attacks. And I wasn't allowed to sing Baby One More Time because of the line, my loneliness is killing me. They thought I would drop dead if I sang it, which was pretty terrifying as a 10 year old to think a Britney Spears song could kill you. Like the rest of my friends at church weren't allowed to listen to her because of, you know, the way she dressed and stuff. 
and I was like, oh, no, I can't listen or else I'll die. Yeah, they were in really deep. They sent Kenneth Copeland all their money and they went to all his healing services and even his drug rehab program. And spoiler, it's not a real rehab. And yeah, looking back, I see how dangerous the prosperity gospel is because it created so much shame and secrecy around not being like perfectly healthy. And if you're not even allowed to have a cold, you certainly can't have anxiety or depression, except you do, you just can't talk about it and it gets worse. The prosperity gospel isn't just the ridiculous name it and claim it people, which it gets branded as, but in my experience, it was a really insidious movement that is rooted in ableism and honestly, it kills people. I found a, um, a clip here, another clip. So this is, so as I grew up and I went, I swung the pendulum to being a good old Southern Baptist and like a Calvinist guy. I would, yeah, I, would I really did too. Like, yeah, I would like really scoff at these folks. And so mm-hmm. here's a clip that I found of Kenneth Copeland. Um, shout out to your parents moving to Texas for him, <laughs> partially, possibly, oh, yeah. <laughs> inadvertently. Oh yeah. Um, and so here he actually starts talking about sowing a seed, and and you won't be able to see it if you're listening. But what's happening is he's holding, I think, a hundred dollar bill. And he said two hundred dollar bills. Oh, two hundred dollar bills. And he said, "I watched it." Oh, you did. Okay, perfect. So you know, you know what's coming. (laughs) And so he said, "This money isn't the seed; it's the husk." And then it just gets wilder from there. So give this a listen, y'all. Then the money is the carrier, and you water it with your praise, and it will. Harvest the destiny and the harvest, or in the case of a bad seed, the judgment. That's all judgment is, is harvest of bad seed. The destiny and the harvest is present in the seed itself. The harvest is there. Its destiny is there. It will grow exactly what it's supposed to grow when it's put in the good ground. Now, the beautiful part of this, in obeying God, since this is currency, unless the Lord instructs me to specifically give something else, which that's the reason you need to inquire of the Lord. And I know about this tonight because I inquired of him about it today. And so now I know specifically towards what I'm sowing. So now I name this such and such. I'm sowing towards manifestation of healing then I named this, by his stripes ye were healed. I named this seed. Arthritis is under the curse of the law. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Therefore, I am redeemed from arthritis. And I have my healing. He named his seed, Dory. <laughs> yeah, he, he named it no arthritis. <laughs> 
That's just I need somebody. Name. I need. I need. I see. I need all of these. I need to find a way to like convince all of these people to like name their seed. Uh, I hate Black Lives Matter, and then just send me hundred dollar bills. Yeah. <laughs> yes. so they're planning. They're like, oh, that's amazing. So we're gonna do reparations. The old switcheroo. <laughs> like, listen, if you hate it, send us the seed. That's yeah. brilliant. We yeah. Send it to you. That's amazing. Yes, it's perfect. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like you're paying. You're paying God to heal your cancer. Cool. Okay. It is because cancer is so. not expensive enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm not tracking how these two are related, but okay. I'm gonna. I'm paying the who's who's getting paid for my arthritis. It looks like I'm paying the church for my arthritis. What are they doing? Like, are they they don't it? have to tell you. They don't have to tell you, right? Because they're not accountable to anybody except God. Right. Right. It, yeah, that's one of the things we talked about. I was talking about with Janice where it's kind of like, I'm giving this to God. I'm giving this money to God. It's like, are you sure? Because God's not the one wearing that outfit right now. <laughs> Pretty sure it's kind of Copeland wearing that outfit. So it sounds like I'm giving the money to him, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I just, it's like, yeah, the, it's this idea of like your money is the seed and the ministry is the fertile ground, right? It's that parable of like some yeah. seed falls like on good soil, but most yes. of it doesn't, right? Like most of it is like on the sidewalks or gets uh -huh. eaten or burned up or whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the, the idea is that these prosperity gospel preachers are like, I'm good soil. Like I am a place to like plant yeah. your seed because I am partnered with God. And so to partner with God, you can partner with me. Yep. You can give me your seed and then God will give you your blessing. <laughs> so weird. Can you hear that everyone? <laughs> Kenneth Copeland wants us to give him our seed. It is. <laughs> it's just so weird. It's like, you can stop saying that. You keep saying that. I don't stop think you saying know that. I mean. I just <laughs> <laughs> stop saying to plant my seed in you. It is. <laughs> So as a as a Calvinist, I used to laugh at that stuff. And I was like, it's so ridiculous because God is not a genie. God cannot be bought and God cannot be, you know, like bargained with. And he's not mm. a vending machine and stuff. So for you, once you became a grown up Christian, like, was there any remains of that language or ideology still rooted? Or do you think you did a pretty good job uh, in that context of letting it all go? So the thing that I really liked about being in like reformed churches essentially was that like the theology is very like it's very constrained mm. <laughs> right like it's not this huge like anything goes like any verse that you can find that you feel like it like you can associate with anything in your life is valid and you can use it that way, right? So it was, it was like this very kind of constrained use of scripture. And to me, that like that felt really good after being in this space of like, yeah, this like it's like Wild West theology, essentially. <laughs> there were definitely parts of it that I don't necessarily think I held on to the to the theology so much as I probably held on to like a lot of my framing of issues, right? Like, like the way that I would, the way that I would pray for things, whatever it was like healing or finances or family or friends or whatever. Um, I think that kind of stayed more, like more or less the same. There was less of the, like, I'm entitled, right? There was less of this entitled kind of attitude, mm -hmm. but it was, it was still very much like with this expectation of 
like God's actually going to answer, answer my prayers. You know, I think otherwise I, I like, I mostly got rid of that. And I, you know, I don't know that I, I'm not sure how much I openly mocked it. Although I'm sure that my Facebook page would, um, very quickly disabuse me of, of the notion that I didn't. Um, but I'm like, yeah. And like going back and like looking at old Instagram photos, I'm like, why the fuck do I have a picture of like a John Piper book in my Instagram feed? Like what the fuck is happening right now? Um, no. so yeah, I mean, I, there was, I think a little bit of it got left over just because it was sort of like in my like spiritual DNA essentially. But for the most part, I really sort of like rooted that, out and it was like okay reform theology is like what got me out god has the ability to do good and chooses not to in order to just punish people for for shits right in order to just like prove a point to yeah. someone he's never proven himself to once yeah um yeah. so you know i think that i think that that was kind of like how i got out of that space honestly it was going like oh god actually isn't good like at least with like the prosperity gospel you can frame god as being like yeah he's a genie like you gotta manipulate him but if you do you'll get your wishes right. <laughs> and like there was none of that bullshit in in reform theology and so i was like okay like god god is kind of a prick god is a person right like who has who has the means to do good and chooses not to because he's a dick right Right. You know, and I'm like, I just decided I'm like, I don't fuck with people who have the means to be supportive, encouraging or like even financing shit. You know, like I don't I don't fuck with people who have the means to do that and choose not to because they're trying to like make some sort of political point or whatever. I'm like, "Mm, no, mm -mm, don't do that. Holy shit. I hadn't thought about how there's like kind of two different gods (laughs) and it's like. In the prosperity gospel, God, like at least God is like kind of warm and fuzzy Mm -hmm. and he's like kind of friendly and he is declaring breakthrough over you. And he he wants good things for you. He's like, you're the you're the thing holding it back. I'm I want you to have it. Your your faith is the thing. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Calvinist God is like. A total megalomania. (laughs) That is so interesting. That's I was thinking about this, like, I think for me, being a Calvinist, I still had all the same language. I still had all the same desires of prosperity Mm. theology. I would just make a point to always tack a disclaimer, like, but as long as it brings you glory, God, (laughs) like I would always have like a little trap door, like (laughs) as long as you want to do it, I would love I think this could happen, but like whatever you want to have. But it didn't. That's all it was. Just a couple asterisks Uh on the back. uh Yeah. Cause I still wanted, I would still pray for healing. Just like you said, I would still pray for, you know, safe travels. Right. I would still pray for all these things Or in effect. They're entirely transactional mm-hmm. prayers. Go up. The blessings come right. down. Right. As the yep. Sunday school songs. But as a Calvinist, you just have to like hate yourself when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you, just, you just are currently hating yourself as you're praying for it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I like to think, yeah, I think of it. That's really funny. It's like with, within Calvinism, it's sort of like a race to see like between you and God to see who can hate you the most. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yes. We were very proficient at hating ourselves the most. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're you're in competition with a deity, you got to be on your A game at all times. (laughs) Come correct. You got to really, you got to start strong. You got to really start strong. Yeah. Damn. Do you think after on this side of 
your whole faith change and lack thereof and belief change. Like, is there any, you know, some people, for example, they say they used to be like, they used to have uh, rapture anxiety. Mm-hmm. And even though they don't believe about it now, there are still moments that can like, there are still things when they think back, they're like, oh, I'm still kind of wearing some of this in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and your experience have you interacted with, is there anything, are there any, you know, roots that still have mm. impact on how you interact with the world now? Um, man. Okay. I need to think about this. I, you know, I feel like I was over, I feel like overwhelmingly I was pretty quick to just like let that shit go. Yeah. Um, there are still definitely times when I'm like, I kind of want to pray mm. and I'm like, I, there's, there's nobody's listening. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can if I want to, which is fine. But like, yeah. um, you know, so there's there's definitely like and that's that's not common for me. It's not like, you know, every it's like every couple of months I'll be like, oh, like this is this is something that I would pray about if I were still yeah. in church, you know, um, yeah. I think honestly, I think that the thing that's like messed with me the most is that there is like this idea um, that God, like God being all knowing, like he knows every interaction in the entire universe down to like the, the like atomic level, right? Yeah. It's like thermodynamic entropy has got nothing on God, right? Like he designed <laughs> that shit. Um, so I do think that it's really funny to think about the world and like, cause I, th- I'm, I'm, I'm weird. I'm like neurodivergent and I'm fine with that. But I think about really weird shit having been raised in this space of like, you know, God knows your entire life. He knows everything that you've you know done and everything that you're going to do. And he, he knows every time that you've been like, say, in proximity to someone who 20 years down the road is going to be your neighbor. <laughs> right. <laughs> like this is really random shit. And now I'm like, I could have been spending all of this time like going to, I don't know, concerts with like that my partner was also at and I had no idea. And God also doesn't know because God doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's the weirdest thing to be stuck mm. on. But for some reason in my mind, it's really kind of it's been hard to like let that go of like, oh, there's no nobody knows all this shit. Like the serendipity of everything kind of like being predetermined. Is that what you're saying? Like Well, yeah. And like like it's like it's like some it's just somebody somebody somewhere knows right uh, i see yeah. like i don't have to know because someone out someone there knows no right. like someone's keeping notes it's like it's like you don't need to know um where to find parking in miami because the person driving knows where they're going so you can just relax <laughs> that's what it's like, it's like I don't, I'm, you know where you're going all right great as long as someone knows right that's it's like yeah so it's not funny. it's not really it's not really my problem like you'll figure it out but yeah for some reason i'm very like oh i want just you know and it, it's it's, it's weird. There, I think there's it's, yes, it's, absolutely. Uh, I don't know why. Yeah. It's like it's very strange <laughs> to be like, oh, my best friend and I like we're probably at the store at the same t- at the mall at the same time. And we didn't <laughs> see each other, but like God knows right. we were both there. <laughs> I was like, why does yeah. this matter? It doesn't matter like at all. <laughs> but for some reason, funny. like that like level of of detail, which yeah. is like really what it comes what a lot of like prosperity gospel like comes down to, right. It's like God Um, having like every single, every single moment of your life is planned. Like God's will for your life kind of doesn't end. Like there's nothing too small to be impacted by like God's will for your life. mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, 
I'm sorry for doing this. Uh, I, one time I heard, I, one time I was at, it was city church at the time. And I, I heard, uh, Judah Smith say like, if God tells you to pray for 10 minutes and you pray for 15, you're sinning. Oh no. <laughs> and it's just like, it's like these really insignificant details. Yes. Right. Yes. right. <laughs> and it's like, God has all this stuff kind of like charted out. So even though like I can't get my shit together because I have ADHD and I'm not medicated, like God knows what's going on. Right. Like there's always right. somebody up there who like at least has their shit together. It's like now that's just not No, it's like I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so now like for you, right, like on this side of it, is it a relief to undo that stuff or is there a little party that's kind of like eh, bummer? Um, I mostly, mostly it's a relief. I would say, I'd yeah. say it's probably like 99% a relief and like 1% <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think like, um, for me, I, I, if I'm looking at what still kind of lingers mm-hmm. after everything, it, uh, I still have kind of a tendency towards toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. Not at like a, no hate on Enneagram sevens. Not like an Enneagram seven entrepreneur level of positivity, but like, like, like I don't know why. I'm I'm convinced that all entrepreneurs are Enneagram sevens. That's that's a whole other conversation. Oh my god! And a lot of Enneagram sevens just turned off the podcast. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I I think that like the sort of how's everything? It's good. Like everything's mm. good, or like mm-hmm. everything's not good right now, but like it's going to be good. Like. All that that language, like it finds its way in where mm. I almost don't really give myself room to like just sit and be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm yeah. like, no, because, you know, the best is it's going to get better. You know, even when I say stuff that is kind of helpful to me, like this mm-hmm. too shall pass. Like, I think that's helpful in situations mm. for me thinking about that. But like that even phrases like that or thoughts like that are completely contextualized in like the it's they're, they're wearing evangelical clothes because mm. you know what i'm saying um so i think that's where i'm still like still feeling the the ripples of prosperity yeah and you know i think I, I think i don't know if it's specifically prosperity gospel but for for sure like just church evangelicalism in general, this idea, like you were talking about how you have to have everything sort of nailed down, right? It's like, I can't, I can't want things. I can't think about wanting things, right? I can't think about wanting to want things. (laughs) It just like keeps going and going. (laughs) Um, you know, like that piece of it is like absolutely still something that I am working through. Like I got, I got, I got upset with my therapist and she was like, you, you get to have needs. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, what are you talking about? Wow. Right. Um, I'm wow. like, I can't, I'm like, I can't though, because that's like selfish, right? Like that's mm-hmm. how it was framed. It's like me having needs, like emotional needs is selfish, right? Like other people get to have needs because I have the bandwidth to meet people where they are. Right. I don't I I don't have needs because I people don't have the bandwidth to deal with me. So I'm just going to push people away. Like my having needs oh, is 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 shit. like pushing people away from me. So I'm just not going to have it. Yeah. So that's really how it's still kind of like ugh, I get stuck yeah. in that still of like. Right. Because it's like you weren't allowed to you weren't allowed to want to do the things that you wanted to do. 
yes, everything had to be locked in. Everything had to be like in alignment mm-hmm. with the greater mission, the greater mm-hmm. purpose. Yeah. yeah, damn. And and then to flip the script, what is like the biggest get the fuck out of here? I'm so glad I can get past it on the other side of that sort of prosperity ideology. Like what is like the biggest thing that you learned and are like, thank God that's not real anymore. Mm, man, I don't know. I think, I think like the, I think in a lot of ways, the inverse of the prosperity gospel is like mutual aid and like taking care of one another, you mm. know? Um, and like building that into just how we live, right? How we, how we interact with, with people in our space, in our neighborhood, in the world, you know, and and to me, like that, that feels a lot more powerful, right? As opposed to like seeking out this very sort of specific aim for like, I got mine, right? As long as I can say that, like everything's fine. And I think that what's really, again, it's, I think it really comes back to this idea of like the gospel is good news for the poor. Like for me, the inverse of prosperity gospel is mutual aid. Mm, mm. Yeah. Wow. It's like, instead of giving the, ch- yeah, it's, it's like where you're giving that prosperity. It's like, you're not giving to a church to get the prosperity from God. Right. You like are taking like collectively working to give that prosperity to, to other share people. it. Right. To share it. Yeah. yeah. To share it within the community. Hmm. I think for me, the biggest change that I've had to, now this was not simply by prosperity ideology, Mm. but overall my faith change altogether. It has been like contentedness. I think like I was never like growing up, like if you didn't have enough money, then that isn't what God wanted. And if you Mm. weren't feeling all that great, that isn't what God wanted. And if you didn't have, you were, I I really, I, I, I marked my life with, by like, the things that I lacked. Mm-hmm. And so I think on this side of it, what I'm really pretty glad for is like to be able to name all the things that I feel like I, I have now. And that is like the complete <laughs> antithesis yes. to the Copeland, you know, ideology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is good. This is a lot of stuff to talk about. It Holy is. Shit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. And I'm, I appreciate talking about it with you because most of the time, <laughs> You know, when I'm like kind of in the like post church space, like talking to people, they're like, what the fuck? Like, I don't I have no (laughs) frame of reference for what you're talking about at all. And so it's nice to like actually have a conversation with someone who's like, oh, yeah, I know that shit. Yeah, let's tease it out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Is there anything you wanted to add to that, Tori? Or do you think we're pretty good? I feel pretty good. I think we did it. Yeah, I think we nailed it. High fives on that. Good job. Prosperity. Well, Tori, I think this is a great conversation. I think we're ready to wrap up with uh, the last and final segment of the night. What do you think? Love it. Let's do it. This segment is one I like to call Sip, Smoke, Read. Sip, Smoke, Sip, Smoke, Read. So you know we read that shit. All right, so this is the segment where we discuss what are you sipping? 
Tori, what are you smoking? What are you watching, reading, listening to, partaking in? What are you doing to get through this thing called uh, October of 2022? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, that's so funny. Um, so I, I um, this is really interesting. I did not read Lord of the Rings growing up. Um, okay. And so I have been like checking the books out at the library and like listening to them. Nice. Um, what do you think? It's you know, I'm I'm I it makes me a little bit mad, not at the story, but like why are we not talking about like the point of the story? Like why are we we're talking about like I don't know, elves can only be hot if they're white or something. Like <laughs> oh, shit. Like I, I I don't know, but like to me, I'm just I'm like like yesterday. I don't know, and I keep I keep doing it. Like I, I downloaded from Audible. I downloaded the Fellowship of the Ring from Audible yeah. because I kept having to like send it back to the library because other people wanted it. Right. You're so, like, I need to. You're taking too long. Um, I right. So I, I like downloaded it and I'm like listening to like I'm listening to it again and again and again because <laughs> I'm I don't know why am I like this. Um, but no, it's like it's not it's a nice thing to like fall asleep to. But like listening to in that story when Gandalf takes off from from the Shire. Bilbo's still there or no Bilbo's left. Frodo's still there. And like Frodo just goes like 10 years or something without seeing without seeing Gandalf at all. And then Gandalf comes back and he's like trying to explain to Frodo, like, here's why the ring is really fucked up, yeah. you know, and like this is the history. This is where it came from. This is like how this is how Gollum got it. And this is how like your uncle got it from Gollum. Right. Um, and he's like, he's like digging into this. And I'm just like, the more like layers that I get like in into it for some reason, the more I'm just like, holy shit, like this is kind of incredible. Like, why are we not having a conversation about like the corrosiveness of power under all circumstances? Like does not matter who has the ring. Right. It is yeah. going to corrupt you. Right. And so like, you know, and, and, and Frodo's kind of like really struggling emotionally with like, why, like, why did, why do I have it? Like, why didn't you take it? Like, I don't, I have mm. nothing to do with this. Like I'm not even involved in that world. Like I'm here, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, <is> my <laughs> right? exactly. Exactly. And you know, it, it's, it's really, it's like this kind of like sobering realization that he has of nobody wants to be born and like be that guy. But like some of mm. us, some of us are right. Like some of us are born in these times and spaces where we have to like show up and do the work and throw the ring into Mount Doom. Like, yeah. despite everything that like power wants us to do and, and compels us to do like this idea of like power yeah. compelling you to like, make these decisions that ultimately are going to be like catastrophic for you and destroy your community. Mm. Right. But there's just, there's just like this intense pull. It's got this gravity to it. Right. And, and this, like the concept of like the hobbits, it just doesn't infect them the same way that it does. Like some of the other, like the people, humans for sure. And I said this earlier, I think on Twitter, I'm like, I'm not saying that like, I think I'm not, I'm not saying that I think like Tolkien is woke or anything but like his power analysis is really solid <laughs> dang i'm like why are we like why are we not talking about like the actual point of the book right well this is a great opportunity to go ahead and unveil tori williams douglas's new podcast called <laughs> tori of the obsessing rings obsessing over lord of the rings <laughs> i would listen to that show oh my god 
Because everything you're saying, I would 10 out of 10. Oh my God. I just, I'm like, I'm like, I cannot, I can't handle it. I'm just like, this is like, you guys, this is so important. This is so applicable to right now. Right. Like it's so applicable to, to like all of these massive inequalities that that we're seeing. Right. And and these people who are trying to sell this idea that like power is good, right. The accumulation of power is good or I'll do good things with it. Right. I have good intentions. So if I have the power, I can fix stuff. Right. And like Gandalf being like, no, 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 no. Like it doesn't work that way. Mm. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I just want to have like a, I just want to have like, I don't know. I want to do like a, like a long weekend with like a bunch of nerds at the beach. That sounds, that sounds amazing. And we could just like talk about me, but I accept. No, totally. Like, please, (laughs) please do. Please do. Like Oregon coast is fucking baller. Like, it's a great great place. It's a great place to be. Um, It's just, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so, it's so powerful. And we're like having these conversations about all this other shit. And I'm just like, can we just like talk about the idea that it was like, it required all of these, all these people and, and elves and dwarves and everybody else, like all of this collaboration, all this working together and setting aside like our differences to get rid of the ring because power is inherently corrosive. Dang. And it required like it's it's the it's the communal work yes. that actually happened because individually it couldn't it couldn't ha- it, it like none of work. them none of them individually could have done it yeah right yep dang why are we you not talking it. about this <laughs> all right so anyway. we're gonna go ahead and tease out Tori's next book all right, great, <laughs> great. <laughs> that's amazing okay great okay so lord are you gonna watch the uh the show the new i have show? been watching the show um i am i'm i'm really enjoying it i know that some people think it felt like it was pretty slow i like i kind of feel like they are like letting you savor the story yeah. a little bit and so i really like that like i kind of like the pacing at this point i'm a big fan honestly like i mean other than the whole like fuck billionaires but the rest of it is is fine yeah <laughs> you know or i'm All really right, I need to check it out i'm really enjoying you know, it, it's, it's such a, it's such a cool idea. It's such a cool conceptualization. The fact that they like worked with, I don't know if it's, it's like a daughter or granddaughter of Tolkien. Like she was like one of the consultants, like on for the whole thing. Um, really? yeah, yeah. So it's like, I feel like they really did their due diligence and, um, like there's no, there is no way to like the writers who are working on this and like putting this story together, like none of them are ever going to be someone as as incredible in terms of like in terms of writing and and the dialogue as as Tolkien was he was like unmatched right um I feel like they really given that like that being said I feel like they really like did this story justice and I think that's really really cool so sweet yeah what else what are you sipping anything else you're sipping smoking or reading um well so watching I have had yeah actually this is really funny so I love tequila hey it turns me into a really bad person. <laughs> <laughs> In what way? What are you talking oh about? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just like, it just. Like, do you get scrappy? Like, do you fight people? No, 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 no. No, I just want to fuck everybody. <laughs> so, which I'm like, consent is still important, even if Tori is on tequila. But I, so, and I love Peach. And so my partner's like, his, his, his uh, pandemic hobby has been like learning how to make cocktails right because nice. like there's you know something that you can do that you don't have to like they have like this carport and 
so people can be together outside without, you know, potentially infecting one another. Um, and so I'm like really upset about the fact that I cannot find a drink, like a tequila drink or a mezcal drink that has peach in it. Okay. So I'm like whining about this. I'm like, I need, I'm like, I need you to fix this for me. I'm like whining to my partner. I'm like, this is, this is, this is a problem. I'm not okay with it. So that is, that's what I'm, that's what I'm drinking right now. Um, he basically like so you, invented, he, he invented this drink for me. <laughs> okay. We're um, going to need a break. Can you share the recipe or is it top secret? I can, no, actually I can share the recipe. I'm, I'm a little bit like, yeah, no, I absolutely can share the recipe. Um, I don't know if you want me to like say it now or I can just like write uh, yes. it down and I, send it have, to you. I mean, if you would, I'm sure there are people. We have a lot of uh, cocktail fans. I listen to the show. I mean, and, and I, I personally am a fan of tequila. So, uh, OK, do you want I, like I have the recipe like on my phone. Do you want me to go grab it? Yeah, it's like yes, right here. Absolutely. Okay, OK, just a second. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> all right. So Tori is getting up. She is walking over. She is getting her phone. She's getting the recipe. This is real. This is inside scoop. Everyone prepare for the cocktail recipe of the month. We're going to add a new segment. It's cocktails of the month. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. that I'm like, I have to run away. No, this is great. So it is recipe. This 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 drink is called Tori's Peach, which I absolutely deserve because I walked directly Maybe. into this. Um, so it's two ounces of mezcal. Or, you know, if you have a favorite tequila, that totally works, too. Okay. Um, it is three fourths of an ounce of peach liqueur, like not Ooh. the cheap stuff. Like it's like the actual Quality like stuff. good, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then so this is this is this complicates it a little bit. This is something you probably hear. Well, I'm, depending on like, I don't know, East Coast people might be able to get this anywhere. Um, so we five dashes of this bitters. It's um Bitter cube, ginger spice, cherry bark, vanilla. Oh shit! I know that isn't. That sounds intense. I know it's so good. It's so good. Um, so yeah, you just like put all of that into a glass with some ice, stir it up so you can kind of dilute it a little bit, and yeah, it's yummy. I'll, I'll also copy and paste this to you so that you can like Please look do. at it because it's a that little, sounds... it's, it's it's a little bit much to like keep all in your head. So yeah, that sounds delicious. It's so good. It's what I'm drinking right now. <laughs> hey, all right, perfect. I see. I'm historically, I like. I, I think I had mezcal like once, and the, the way in which I had it, I think I just like had it on like just neat or something, and it was a little too smoky for me. I, I, maybe I didn't have the right mezcal, or maybe I just didn't throw it into a cocktail like what you have. I mean, there's there's so there's so many different kinds of mezcal, and like I have a favorite one. I don't even know where to get it. It's like literally you drive across the border from Texas into Mexico, and like there's this Sweet. one spot where they like sell this. Like it has no name on it, right? Like this oh my is God. my favorite mezcal. Nothing else comes close. I can't tell people what it is because I don't fucking know. <laughs> so, <laughs> Damn, yeah, that's exclusive. Um, that's super exclusive. Well, but it's also really cheap. So it's like. <laughs> Okay. You know, I was gonna say Tori's gatekeeping her mess. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I know. I if I could if I could like <laughs> tell you guys where to get this. Whenever I find out, I will be I will be blasting it from all of my social media. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, but no, there's a lot of different kinds of mezcal and they're kind of all over the place in terms of like the the flavor composition and like the smokiness versus like the sweetness. Mm. And there's also like a, there's a lot of mezcal that's kind of like feels 
almost like corn based in a way, which I don't love. Like okay. it's good for certain things for sure. Mm. But um, like just as a sipper, like I don't care for that. Um, like other other mezcal, like I'll just have like on ice or whatever. It. And it's delicious. Yeah. But um, yeah, you can also you can totally use tequila in 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 lieu of mezcal for this drink. So, yeah. All right. I'm adding this to my. I started getting into making cocktails too, Tori. So I'm going to oh, add sweet. this to my, so definitely send that to me. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you got? Anything else? Um, what else do I have? Um, honestly, like I, I'm like the stuff that I'm, I'm mainly reading right now is because I'm like, I decided to actually like sit my ass down and like write a book. So I am working on a book right now about like, um, the way that, racism sort of impacts your nervous system right because people have these like people have these like racist responses that they weren't planning on having even it's just like Mm. okay where the fuck did this come from um or people will like go into fight or flight and it's not like an intentional choice of like oh i'm freaking out right now because like there's a black man in proximity to me and it's like no you're just culture just sort of coded you to respond this way wow and like we have neuroplasticity now. <laughs> like we invented it. Um, no, brains are just fucking weird. And you can like retrain your brain to like not have racist responses in certain situations. So I think like I really I just I haven't seen anybody like walking people through this, you know? And I really like to, like with white homework, like the point is very much to like give people something actionable that they can do. And so I'm everything that I'm reading right now kind of like goes, goes back to that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm reading this journal article that's called situating whiteness in Faulkner studies, Faulkner studies. Like it's by like, I can't talk. I've been drinking. Um, it's by Jay Watson and, um, it was published by the John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins university press. And it's just like this, it's so Andre Henry, you got me on this kick about like misperforming whiteness. Right. And so that is what this paper is about is like the idea of examining whiteness because it frequently gets away with like just being the norm. Right. Like there's nothing to examine here. This is just, it's just, it's just a person, right. You're not a white person. You're a person. Um, Uh default right exactly and so like really kind of interrogating that um all of these settings that we have kind of programmed in that like nobody nobody was explicitly racist even right like nobody you like you weren't seeing you weren't seeing black kids getting bullied growing up or whatever the situation was like right it's because people are always like i don't see any racism it's like well you are you just don't recognize it as racism and a Mm. lot of it is who are you not seeing (laughs) right got it um like Who's not in the room? Who's not in the space? Who's not in leadership, right? Like who's not being respected? And we don't ask, Mm. we don't frequently, we frequently don't ask ourselves these questions. And so I've been, yeah, Yeah. reading about, because I'm writing a chapter on whiteness. um, And so I'm reading about basically like critical whiteness studies. Dang. Cause I'm a fucking nerd. Um, yeah, but I'm like, I also want to like have receipts for people, you know, like mm. I, I think that we have a lot of, we have a really cool kind of opportunity right now because we have all this information and, um, we still have free speech for the time being. So I'm yeah. like, I feel like, see, to, yeah, I know. Right. 
nobody knows. I'm like, I feel yeah. like, I feel like taking advantage of this and like, you know, I'm just, I don't know. There, there are many, many scholars that I would happily point to, to be like, you should write this book. Like, why aren't you writing this? Like, cause they're doing research. So, right. so I'm like, well, I'm going to take a stab at it. So yeah, I like have not been reading quite as much as I usually, cause I'm usually like blowing through books. So that is both incredibly fascinating and incredibly exciting. Kudos to you. Thanks. I, I can't imagine how much work that is. I have friends. I I know people who write books and I'm like, that's, that's rough. That's hard work. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot, but I'm like, I, I feel like because I, because I talk about a lot of this stuff, like as my job, as I do like anti-racism consulting for like businesses and churches and kind of whoever, um, like I have a lot of the knowledge in my head. It's just a matter of like getting it organized enough to like put it into like some sort of order that makes, that makes sense for people in a, in, in uh, a way that's again, like actionable and, and meaningful. So that's amazing. That's exciting. I can't wait to hear more about that. Yeah. As it comes down the pike. Yeah, absolutely. What else, Tori? Anything else? I think those are, I think, oh my, no, this is, this is actually a doozy. <laughs> my, my kid, I've been trying to get my kids into Star Wars their entire lives. They have had absolutely no interest. And then all of a sudden, like out of the blue, my 10 year old comes to me and he's like, I really I really regret like not getting into Star Wars sooner. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But now it's like, that's the, that's all we talk about. That is the only thing yeah. that gets talked about in the house. And it's like, we're going to watch the movies in like the order in, in like the order that they were released. And he's like, I'm just, I really think that I'm going to be disappointed, disappointed by solo. And I was like, you don't know Jack shit. Shut up. <laughs> like he's got all these sort of ideas in his head about like, which ones are going to be like, which ones are the good ones. Right. Yeah. Um, um yeah. and, um, and then he's also like spending all of his time on YouTube, finding out all of these like very random facts about like things that happened during the filming of all of the movies and whatever. And he's Dang, just like, so he's in. yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. It's like every time, every, every time he like sees one of my friends, he's like, okay, I have a question for you. I need you to rank all the star Wars movies in order from like your least favorite to your most favorite. I'm like, I can't remember all of their names. And I'm like, <laughs> I love this shit and I can't remember their names in order. So there's also that. that that's big. <laughs> I know that's big. Congrats. This is a this is an exciting chapter. It is. In your life. It is. It's wild. <laughs> All right. Well, I can go. I um I w am watching a show called Succession. Mm -hmm. Um I'm in the last season. It has uh what's Macaulay Culkin's brother, Kieran? Kieran something, something like that. Yeah. One of those. One of those. Uh he's he's in it. He's it's very I'm in the last the current season the latest season so i'm trying to just get through it i was like hopping around the different shows and i'm like mm. like my wife and i were like we need to just finish a show like just <laughs> stick to your guns yep. you know what i'm saying yep. like just push knock it out and then pivot to the next thing so right now we're on a succession kick um i watched a movie for the first time i'd never seen before my friend um was like Every so often you have people who are like, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. It's the fucking best. And then you watch it and you're like, this sucks. Uh -huh. Like, this is not good. Yeah. Fortunately, that was not the case with this movie, Apollo 13. Oh, you had never seen, seen it Apollo before. 13. Yeah, it's, I a, had it's not. a great film. It's a great film. And I am a, a sucker for like mid-century mm -hmm. kind of like vibes, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that movie's got mid-century vibes yep. for days. Yeah. Um, and so like the cars and the watches and the clothes and I'm like, I love it. I'm in. Yes. So, uh, so good. I watched that. 
it made me want to get an Omega Speedmaster, which is like the the astronaut watch. But I I do not have Omega Speedmaster money, so maybe <laughs> <Right>. one day, <laughs> maybe one day. I'll, I'll You're not it. making this those big, big those big podcasting bucks. I need to name it and claim it. You do. do, yes, exactly. <laughs> I need to sow the right seed. You need to sow the seed. Uh, yep. Not being specific, I need to sow my seed inside <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Uh, and when I get my when I get my fucking uh, money back from Joel Houston that he owes me, then yeah, exactly. I ordered a tincture, a like a, a Delta Eight tincture from a, a brand called Botany Farms that I kind of swear by. I've gotten like some of their edibles, and mm. I like their edibles fine. But the problem is that whenever I I'm wearing Invisalign now this year, mm. and I will like eat dinner and I'll have an edible before bed. And the, just the high maintenance of having to like then refloss and mm-hmm. rebrush and rewater pick is just way too much effort. Uh-huh. So I instead, I opted for a tincture that you just drop it on the tongue, nice. down the hatch, and you're good to go. So, so uh, that's smart. been really great. I know. It's been great. I'm like, man, fucking game changer. Should have done this sooner. And then I actually have a cocktail that I had, but I didn't make it. So I can't. <laughs> you didn't invent it. it. <laughs> I didn't invent it. It's not like Tori's peach, um, but it is a drink that I had. So my brother and his fiance came to visit us and see the kids and hung out. And we went, um, we went to axe throwing. Mm. I had never gone axe throwing. Kind of scary yeah. in a weird way. I'm like, there's a certain amount of trust and coordination you have to believe in yourself yeah. you have to like really be like i can do this yes like, there was a kind of a mental block before but it was a lot of fun and one of the cocktail options was called spa water it's called huh. a spa water okay i know it sounds gross it sounds gross but <laughs> it is um and i did a quick goog it is uh gin or vodka cucumber sparkling water mint and simple syrup Okay. And can I just say, it was delicious. Oh. It was like perfect, like hot, like a hot weather. Yes. You know, like yes. really hot day drink. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Love it. Highly recommend throw a cucumber into your cocktail if it's like a summery day. Yep. And it's like really hot. Yep. That'll do the trick every time. So good. Uh, I think that's all that I had. I think we did it, Tori. Hey, love it. This is great. It is great. Where can people go to connect with you, follow you, uh, work with you, do all the things? Can you give mm, us a plug? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm usually I'm usually yelling about racism or, you know, like bodily autonomy, social justice, abolition on Twitter. Um, <laughs> my love my it. Twitter handle is at Tori Glass. Um, and then my work is at White Homework on um instagram and on twitter if you yeah if you want to work with me on like other kinds of projects you could there's a contact page on my website it's just toryglass.com yeah i think that's kind of it all of those spaces will have info on the book once the book is closer to being ready so is there like can you like tease out a loose time frame or is that still top secret classified um so i'm I'm hoping for like the beginning like i'm hoping for winter basically like 2023 so like several months Sweet. from now but like yeah that's kind of at least like you know pre-release stuff then yeah that's rad awesome for folks listening you can check out more at dirty rotten church kids.com uh there's an instagram handle dirty rotten church kids there's a tiktok dirty rotten church kids there's a twitter dirty rotten ck uh, got a merch store. That link is at dirtyrottenchurchkids.com. Uh, I have a Patreon. Uh, I release bonus content every month, and then you have access to a Patreon exclusive Discord server. Um, 
I think that is everything. Check out irreverent.fm for more content from our pals over at Irreverent Media Group. And I think we did it. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast. Special thank you to you, Tori. Thank you for for co-hosting this with me. This has been a lot of fun. Yes, thanks. Keep up the dirty work, everyone. And remember, it's It's all all going to be okay. Big thank you to Tori Williams Douglas for co-hosting this one with me. It was a blast. Thanks to the bad apples that sent in their stories. Hearing so many similarities within such diversity is always so eye-opening. Take care of each other, and take care of yourself. I worked in soaps. They had me play my own father, who then became pregnant despite the vasectomy. I still hold the record for the longest-running demonic possession on daytime television. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.